It's not how we're going to sell more stuff. It's how we're going to better meet their needs. And, you know, and are we? You can literally quantify that. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 181st episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Blair Gatchel to the show. Blair is the VP of Sales and Growth at Bond.ai, a human-centered AI platform for financial brands powered by its proprietary empathy engine, which drives financial wellness. Welcome to the show, Blair. It is so good to share time with you today, man. Thanks a lot. I'm thrilled to be here. Really, uh, really looking forward to this. Well, before we talk AI for banking, AI for good, what is good for you? What is going well personally or professionally? It is always your pick to get started here on the show. <laughs> well, spring has sprung in Atlanta. Um, beautiful day here. Uh, this is my favorite season. Uh, things start to bloom and uh, it's just, uh, it, it ends up being beautiful. And I'm hopeful that, uh, that we are heading towards a path of normalcy or towards normalcy here. I think uh, it's uh, that idea of hope that really yeah. inspires me. I know it inspires the work that y'all are doing over at bond.ai. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about AI yeah. for banking, AI for good, um, because on the note of AI for good. I want to start off by doing some good, by putting maybe the hearts and minds uh, of others, of, of some who might be listening, or maybe it's their peers, their colleagues, especially those working on the front line, because I know when some people hear AI, they think, is a robot going to take my job? So what's your take here? How can we do some good to begin with? All right, so I um, I got to get nerdy with, with this uh, discussion here. Let's do and it. So to, yeah, there's there's two visions of AI, and the first one is HAL 2000, right? The robot that's going to take over the world, and I don't think that's what it is. I think it's the Jarvis suit and Iron Man. Mm. So um, it's augmented intelligence as opposed to necessarily artificial intelligence. Yes. So without the suit, Tony Stark's just a really smart, rich guy. We got lots of those. So that you put the suit on him, the technology, and all of a sudden he's a superhero. Yes. So I don't think the bots are coming to take the jobs. I think the bots are going to come in to make us superheroes here. I like that analogy. It's the elevation of what I call the human potential. It's allowing it's allowing us to do even more than what we were previously capable of it's going to be a tool to and i'm going to pull from the founder of four seasons to really automate the predictable so that we can humanize the exceptional what's your what's your take on that that's that's fantastic 
Uh, um, but but that's exactly you know the promise of these types of technologies. Yeah. You know, let's spend our time on the stuff that's really impactful or or really dif- difficult. You know, I, um, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about human centered design as we uh, um, we go through this uh, this conversation. That is the critical element of all of this, and the bot can't do that. Mm. Right. You still need Tony Stark to be able to add that human element to the uh, the technology. Well, that's where like I'm thinking about this through the lens of what I call the four exponential growth environments that I'm really framing my second book around banking on change. We can be spending time learning. We can be thinking. We can be doing or we can be reviewing. And where I see a lot of us get stuck is in that doing quadrant. But that's where I think we're going to be able to elevate some of the activity, particularly the repeatable and the mundane, to automation, to AI. And that's going to empower us to review, to learn, to think, to do even better. And we're going to come back to human-centered design here in a bit because I think, to your point, it's about doing important, full, meaningful work that creates value and has an impact. I want to talk about financial stress. Because financial stress, it's it's taking a toll on our society. I'm calling it really the next epidemic. Um, it's the silent epidemic. And we know that 85% of Americans feel some sort of financial stress. That stress actually uh, goes globally. And that stress, what's it doing? It's taking a toll on people's health, relationships, well-being, Um where where is the opportunity here to maybe remove some of the stress and the anxiety inherently tied to money? So I think you nailed it. Um, it you know, I saw a statistic just randomly. Um, Two thirds of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know, in particular, coming out of this this pandemic, um, kills productivity. Uh, I mean, there's a, a you know definitely a work component there. But what I think is is interesting and and honestly kind of problematic, in particular in financial services, um, the financial services has the opportunity to really provide that help, but quite frankly, they're not. Why is that? I, uh, um, <laughs> if I can be opinion. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what uh, we're here for. We're here for good dialogue, discussion, and discourse because all transformation that leads to future growth starts by telling the truth. I, amen. I have, uh, I'm strong of opinion and sometimes are even accurate. Um, so I think the industry is doing it wrong. I think the industry is right in, think, in thinking in terms of personalization and even hyper-personalization to drive kind of technology and interactions. But but consumers don't want more efficient transaction transactions. That's a table stake. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, you've got to be able to transact quickly or they're just going to move on to something else. What they really want is help with their money. Mm. I, I saw a, um, a survey it was a couple of years ago now, December of 2020, uh, two thirds of Americans basically said that they're not, they don't see benefit from their relationship with their primary financial institution. Yeah. And the rise that the neobanks is the proof point of that. Wow. And, and what they really want is that, and frankly, let's be honest, if you have a lot of money, there's a lot of people out there to help you with your money. But the rest of the world needs help too. Yes. And here, here's the thing. I'm going to you know, talk about being well and doing good too. 
um, helping those people, if you help those people with their finances, they'll return the favor. They'll help you with yours. Well, be, because finance is like, is at the heart of, of everything, you know, it, you know, uh, I always believe if you can transform a person's wallet and the relationship that they have with money, you can transform their life, their physical well-being, their mental well-being. And I think we're seeing a lot of like, we just need to be aware of what's coming down the pipe. Uh, I saw Brian Claggett posted today about this whole buy now, pay later trend. He said in 2022, buy now, pay later is projected to grow by 66.5% to reach 82 billion in transactions uh, annually. And, but he, he, he shares a different perspective. Maybe what we need is a save now, buy later approach to help manage debt, not accumulate debt. And I think that right there it really flips the entire script on its head because it's about empowerment. I mean, absolutely. I, I'm going to have to look that post up. I didn't, uh, I didn't see it, but uh, uh, buy now pay later is a, is a huge topic of conversation these days. And sometimes it's, you know, is it good for consumers? Is it bad for consumers? Well, consumers are going to be offered buy now pay later. Correct. It's really, I mean, it really is flipping that script of, all right, how, what is the best way for, you know, a consumer, like a new refrigerator, if you need a new refrigerator, you know, the one, the one you have has gone on the blink and it's done, you need a new one. So, and this is a great use of, of AI and technology, you know, Hey Bond, how should I pay for this new refrigerator? Mm. And you know, the data is there. We can see cash flows. We can see, uh, um, you know, data that's coming in. Um, you know, we can, the, 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 we call our, our, our AI engine, the empathy engine. Um, you know, we can see the financial health in, in the financial situation of that particular customer and then figure out, all right, this is the best way, you know, to, to pay for that refrigerator. And, you know, maybe it is for payments of $200. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the thing. The, uh, um, but then the, the engine can also see and, you know, help adjust the budget can remind when the payments do so you don't fall into the trap. Right. right. Yep. So to me, it's, it's almost, you know, buy now, pay later is out there. It's not, it's not going away. Now it's a question of how do we make this good for consumers and good for institutions? And it, I think we can. It's a tool, right? It's a tool yeah. that when used appropriately can create a lot of positive benefit only if we have the education and the guidance behind it. Because otherwise, I think that's where people fall into that trap and it would be just a negative cycle that compounds upon itself. You mentioned the empathy engine. This is something that I'm very intrigued about. And before we, we, we get to the empathy engine, uh, what's the opportunity to really what I would say is to inject empathy into the overall experience. Where have financial brands maybe have fallen short when it comes to this idea of empathy? So uh, again, another place I'm, I'm strong of opinions. Uh, it, it's called financial services, right? Emphasis on service. A service is a helpful act. And uh, um, kind of going back to my point about where, where the industry is getting it wrong, um, the industry is rightfully pursuing personalization, but then it's to sell. Mm. And, and that's not what people want. They, they definitely don't want to, nobody wants to be sold anything. Right. They really don't want to be sold by the institution that's holding their money. And what they want is, is help 
And that's what a service is. It's a helpful act. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's an act of service. Um, and it's really leading from a servant heart. I'm curious because this word empathy, it's, it's one that I would say creates a little, you start to see some people shift around when you, when you bring up empathy and leadership conversations and board conversations, uh, when, when you think about the word empathy, especially in banking, what might others believe about empathy that you would disagree with them on? Uh, <laughs> sometimes I think people are Googling the definition after I leave. But uh, um, the, uh, uh, huh, look, I think sometimes um, there's a big financial inclusion component of what we do. We want to include more people into the top tier of financial services. And I think that's good for everybody. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, and that's definitely, you know, there's, there's an empathetic component to that. Right. Um, but it's, it's not just that it really is knowing your, your customers and your market better so that you can serve them better. Right. And, uh, um, and that's true across any market segment from, you know, a pure business terms. But there is a human side to, to it as well. And, and, you know, kind of back to that human-centered design component, you know, that human element has to be, you know, considered into how the customer journey is going, on to how the engagement is, uh, um, you know, is, is mapped out in, in, in processes. And that's a component of it too. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And I think that's that idea of human-centered design or what I would frame as even human-centered growth. What are the opportunities there to add more empathy into the overall experience? I often talk and, and write and coach around, for example, marketing teams becoming experience engineers. But through this conversation, I'm even seeing an opportunity for entire teams, entire organizations to become empathy engineers and maybe a path forward is through human-centered design or human-centered growth. What is the opportunity there to inject empathy into this overall experience? I love empathy engineers, by the way. Uh, that's uh, that's fantastic. So let's, I mean, I, I can go at this from the top down and I can go at this and, and talk about this, I think, from the bottom up. And uh, uh, I think I'll start at the top down. And uh, um, nobody has more data about their customers than a financial institution does. Correct. And candidly, no one does less with that data than a financial institution does. Mm. So let's start with actually knowing who your customers or members are. And I'm amazed at how many institutions get it wrong. Why do they get it wrong? It really is some, I think it's some incorrect assumptions. I think it's uh, lacking that human-centered analysis of the, you know, of the data and then understanding. So how people use financial products matters. Mm -hmm. It matters to the institution and it matters to the person. And, and, you know, kind of maybe a little more bottom up here, understanding how and why they use the product is as, is as important as just the fact that they're using the product, right? Right. They may be using it efficiently for themselves and for the institution and they may not. Yes. Um, you know, there may be better ways for that person to interact and transact with the institution and with others. Maybe not. You know, uh, um, and I, I think there ends up being this 
this is who we want to be, but there's a difference between who they actually are. And, and, and honestly, I think what people miss more often than not is that there's, there's struggles, that there's people that are really struggling in customer bases and member bases, and, and that's getting them. I want to get into the, the empathy engine here because I think knowing who your, your customer is, knowing who your member is, we, we talk a lot about personas, and I think personas create some conflict because projection biases get intermixed with that. So if we can remove some of that and look at the data, I think personas down to the individual level, where might there be opportunities to use data to inform persona development so that we can then make the appropriate recommendations based on the individual without assumptions, you know, fogging some of that up? So I I tell you that um, I I think maybe the biggest issue in, in how products are used is anxiety. Mm. And uh, um, there's a lot of anxiety with money and uh, you know, people, don't always understand money, don't always understand even, you know, you know, well, highly educated people don't understand the financial system and how payments work and credit work, you know, works and stuff and things like that. And uh, so understanding and, you know, kind of breaking through that, that anxiety is the way, um, you know, to kind of connect with, you know, those, those people. And that's, you know, when we talk about customers and, and members, that's exactly what they are, right? They're, uh, they're people. So, uh, um, and I, I think that's probably might be the biggest human centered design component is, is figuring out how do we break through the anxiety and, you know, and, and kind of get people connect with people the way they want to be connected with and communicate with them the way they want to be communicated with and then and help them. There's a lot of, I'm a big fan and a big believer in financial literacy, but if you're in a financial hole, you know, you don't necessarily need a class. You need a step line. Mm. You know, uh, um, it's, I, I call it the GPS experience these days. You know, it's a, Hey, do this and little baby steps. I, I think it was Confucius. You know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. Well, you know, the path to financial wellness, the path to generational wealth, whatever it is, begins with a single dollar and, you know, a little baby step and it's progress. And then, you know, there's positive feedback about that. You know, today do this tomorrow, you know, do this and you'll save $20. You know, the next day, you know, pay off your high interest credit card debt with, you know, debt consolidation loan, you'll save $900. You know, I mean, all of a sudden these things start adding up in, in, you know, and it breaks through that anxiety. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. It's what I call the incremental step 
leads to the exponential growth. It's what James Clear writes about in Atomic Habits, about being 1% better every single day. It creates a compounding effect day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this, coming back to the definition of empathy, the ability to understand and share feelings with another. Because I see that there might even be an opportunity to take some of this thinking internally within an organization, because I'm starting to question and ponder imposter syndrome. Um, I work at a financial brand, but yet I'm struggling financially, and there's no one to be put at fault. Like, like it's not about blame. It's, it is what it is, and I honestly think if we can have more honest, transparent conversations, and I've seen this and I've heard this, there was a VP of marketing who has been developing a community, not around financial education or financial literacy, because back to your point, I think what people need is the stepladder or the guide, the coach to walk beside them. They were hosting a pretty much a roundtable discussion and about money. And they were getting a hard time, you know, getting people to open up. And you know what she did? She told her own story of her own financial struggles. And she's the VP of marketing at a billion dollar institution. And guess what? It transformed the entire, they, they started hosting these things monthly and it almost became like a, 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 a group therapy session. But I think there might be opportunities to look inwards as well. I know SunTrust did this when they launched their on-up program. They brought that internally. So what's your take on this? Because like, there's empathy can cut both ways. Empathy could be externally, but maybe we also need to be you know, empathetic internally because a positive employee experience will lead to a positive human experience that can be multiplied through a positive digital experience. Absolutely. I, I spent some time as an army officer. We used to use the term, you got to eat your own dog food. And I, um, you know, maybe not as, as um, you know, pleasant of an analogy, but uh, uh, financial wellness is starting to be a, uh, a trend, not just in banking, but in, in employers. Yes. And it should be, um, you know, financial anxiety is the number one anxiety. It's a huge distractor from, uh, from work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's, we can connect this directly to financial services. I don't have, Somebody the. That, I want to, I want to hop in. I don't have the numbers off the yeah. top of my head, but I want to say from research that we've done, it's the average cost that financial stress or financial anxiety puts on an employer is around $5,000 per year per employee. Now multiply that out by the number of employees, and now we actually have a really good use case here. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to actually yeah. put like a, a a dollar amount so that we could get some context on the toll and the cost that this creates at the organizational level. Absolutely, and uh, um, to a, a kind of illustrative story, somebody that's young um, has a really thin credit file, goes to apply for a, a a car loan, right? They get turned down because they don't have any credit. But in order to have a job, you need a car. In order to have a car, you need a, uh, a loan. In order to have a loan, you need a, um, a job. Right. So uh, they go to the, you know, one of the buy here, um, pay here lots, and they pay 20% interest instead of six. Yeah. And now they don't have the cash flow for the repairs, right? right? Or pop a tire or whatever it is. And so they, they miss work and they don't get paid. And the employer has to fill in whatever it is, right? Time and a half. Um, you know, fill in, this is cost to everybody. Yes. 
So we find a way to say yes more often. And uh, there are ways to do that. Technology and data can help, you know, more inclusive, uh, you know, credit decisioning. That person gets involved in the top tier of financial services. This is an asset for the institution, which is a good thing, um, you know, profitable. Everybody wins except for the, uh, you know, maybe the exploitive uh, um, lenders out there. This is a good thing, right? And, and it does have an impact on the employer as well. Uh, you know, it should be more than just a transactional paycheck. Mm. And loyalty goes both ways. Empathy goes both ways, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is starting to be a, a big trend in benefits. But, I, I, you know, certainly financial services should lead the way there in, in taking care of their own. Yeah, you lead you lead by example, and I also think yeah. too that we'll build stronger cultures, we'll build stronger teams, we'll build stronger organizations by maybe leaning in and having some of the difficult conversations. Look, you know, I I've started talking about on the podcast uh, in 2012. I took this organization through a transformational experience. I took on personally six figures worth of debt. Um, it was not a pleasant experience, but I think a lot of what right. I felt through kind of the 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 shadow uh, of the valley of death, um, the dark night of the soul was, man, I know what it feels like to like have like extreme financial anxiety and even going into therapy um, and talking through and realizing where this anxiety was rooted in. It was family of origin. It was my upbringing. It was my environment. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. There's a better way forward. And it's through these conversations that I'm facilitating. I'm hoping that we can all make the world a billion times better by getting a billion people beyond financial stress towards a bigger, better, brighter future. I'm curious because we're talking internally, empathy internally, empathy externally. These are habits. These are behaviors. Empathy, EQ, emotional intelligence is like a muscle. It can be trained. It can be strengthened. What's the opportunity there to build this up? So uh, um, I think I'm going to go kind of more top of that institution when I, you know, I think about this and and a little bit of, of who your customer member really is. The data is there, right? Um, If you look in that transaction stream, you can see where, your products meet your customers' needs mm. and, and where it doesn't and where they go to uh, um, competitors. And then you can see where they have needs with, you know, this is where artificial intelligence is going to come in here, but you can see where they have needs that aren't being met that they don't even know about yet. Right. And, uh, um, and, and then start, you know, kind of mapping out that journey, how those people are going to interact with your institution and how, are we going to tailor our products to best meet their needs? But that concept of needs is what's really important. It's not how we're going to sell more stuff. It's how we're going to better meet their needs. And, you know, and are we, you can literally quantify that. Yeah. So just what I just said right there, um, we, you know, you know, where, where you have customers, that's easy. And the value of that, you can look at those competitive relationships, do some averages, Good, a good value of that. And then look at, uh, um, you know, those unmet needs, some averages and get a value of that. That's how 
big in numerical value, the opportunity really is. Yeah. And, and um, you know, there's there's real money there. Right. I, uh, people talk about wallet share. And how big can the wallet really be? That, right. That's you know, how big can the retail line of business be? How can how big can the small business line of business be? Well, and the, and are. and that's where I'm even looking at this as more like a platform to platform opportunity because if you th- if you break this down there's like three levels there's product mm-hmm. products have the potential to be commoditized though package right. package the product up though uniquely wrapped around people's specific pain points and you begin to build programs and yep. programs when combined and unified that really is the platform of the organization it's the higher purpose that the organization is working towards so I see that there's maybe even potential to do platform and platform collaborations that we've never even really considered in financial services. So for example, financial health, physical health, financial health, mental health. Like, I mean, you got apps like Calm, for example, you know, you could build that into the to the mobile digital banking experience, tie that with an AI engine. It's like, oh, you need to like, and like, I'm, I'm literally wearing a Garmin watch right now that tells me when I need to slow down. And it's yeah. cool, man. I got like, you know, I see my heart rate. I got my stress level. And because we're doing this right now, my stress level is pretty high because I'm like super stoked and excited. But then I have what's called my body battery. And my body yeah. battery will tell me how much energy I have left in the reserves. Like, do I have enough to go run? Do I, you know, should I just go lift weights? So I'm even using some of this to like, and it's made a huge difference of taking my own personal health data. I don't know, like I'm just like going down to like a little, you know, blue sky exercise in my mind with this right now, but that would be, that'd be fascinating. To see. I think you may have just sold Garmin a new watch, but uh, <laughs> uh, that sounds uh, awesome. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly, I think, where all of this can go. It's not just about financial wellness; it's about wellness in general, right? We, and and we, uh, we, need, we need we need a we need to get a niche bank for runners. A little side right there, but it comes back to financial wellness. Continue, right? Yeah, well, you got to finance the shoes every ninety days, anyway. So. Exactly. Yeah, you're running through the treads on that, absolutely. But uh, it is about you know overall wellness, and and, and you know it, you start somewhere, and, and we have big plans uh, about expanding beyond just uh you know finance uh and financial wellness the a logical i mean there's kind of two tracks there you can connect connect into environmental wellness and sustainability and uh um and then a logical next step is uh you know mental wellness and emotional wellness mm-hmm. again number one stress money yeah you know and uh, um you know and how to just keep people yeah in, in the process of behavioral change right i I often say that uh, saving money and losing weight simple just simple math yeah right but it's not in in the behavioral change that kind of needs to happen to to you know kind of make better financial decisions or that um you know to to start saving money and in the kind of i call it again getting nerdy here in video game terms leveling up right we want to help people go from you know, living paycheck to paycheck, to being savers, to being investors, to being, you know, kind of wealthy. We want to help them level up there. You know, people that are struggling financially don't just need to make better budgeting decisions. They're usually really good at budgeting. It's just the least bad decision that they're, you know, that they have to choose. But at the same time, you know, helping, you know, people make better decisions just like in weight loss, right? Right. 
Well, I think and, that's that's where once again, like these platform collaborations, like you got Weight yeah. Watchers doing one thing on one side. Maybe there's a collaborative collaboration opportunity there. I'm also thinking of of Joyce martyr who's been a previous guest she wrote a book called the financial mindset fix a mental fitness program for an abundant life she's a psychotherapist and she identified patterns in her practice because there's so much behavioral economics now we can tie up into this which is why i recommend you know leaders at financial brands and fintechs read like the works of bj fogg read atomic habits by james clear because it really is about these micro improvements not this massive transformation that happens all at once it's something that you create these sustainable habits going forward um and speaking about habits and starting small as as we start to wrap up the conversation today and it's been a lot of fun and i appreciate you know just going down a couple of rabbit holes with you of like the possibilities because that's where all growth begins it's like just just doing some exploring in the mind what would you recommend for the dear listener at their financial brand or at their fintech, their bank, their credit union, do to inject empathy into the experience or to become what we've said today is coined it as empathy engineers. What's something small, something simple that they could just take that first step? I think it was a, a breast cancer support and there's people uh, walking. I saw it like military guys walking in, in pink high heels. You know, let's walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and think in terms of how specifically, you know, different people interact with your brand mm. and how do they transact and, uh, um, and, you know, look at it from the other perspective. I, uh, um, I mentioned before I started my working career as an army officer. They do a, a fantastic job of teaching like tactical thinking in planning or in business, we call it strategic. But one of them is to see the battlefield through the enemy's eyes. Well, you have to see, you know, in any business, you have to see the journey through your customer or your buyer's eyes. And, and, and it's a, you know, a bit of a, a, a mental kind of process, but, but it's very valuable. And think about that, all right, how, do, how and why do people transact with us? You know, what is our value proposition? Why? And uh, and you got to be really critical there and challenge yourself. Uh, you know what 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 do we offer? Why do people choose us? Right. You know why do they stay? You know just because they're too lazy to leave. You know um you know why do do they choose us? And and I think that perspective is a is a good way to start. Um you know that doesn't involve technology it doesn't involve big capital expenses just um you know trying to change your own mental uh, perspective yeah it really is because i think here's the thing when you begin to see things differently that's when you begin to think differently but just because you think differently doesn't mean that you're going to do differently the bridge the gap between the thinking and the doing it's the feeling it's the emotion it's the empathy. So for me, like transformation has four steps. See different, think different, feel different, and then do different as different. a result. Because I think a lot of times it's, you know, we're, we make decisions based upon feelings and emotions. Just because I can philosophically hold a thought in my mind, but that doesn't always translate into action on the other side unless there's some type of an emotion spark 
energy, which what is energy? Energy is, you know, emotion, energy and motion right there. So to me, like that's, it's that idea of see, think, feel, and then do, which comes back to this idea of human-centered growth, human-centered design. Blair, this has been a lot of fun. If someone wants to continue the conversation we've started, what's the best yep. way for them to do that? I, you know, bond.ai on the web. Um, you can uh, look us up. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Blair Gatchel out there. Aren't many Gatchels and certainly aren't many Blairs either. And, uh, um, I, you know, Blair at bond.ai if you want to uh, send me an email. I uh, uh, would love to continue this uh, this conversation. It's an important one. It's one that I'm hoping that we can have more discussions around at a macro level to help people see different, to help people think differently, then to feel differently and ultimately do differently because together we can make the world a billion times better by guiding a okay. billion people beyond financial stress towards a bigger, better, brighter future. Blair, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you, James. It's been a, a real pleasure. I've enjoyed this. Hopefully we can uh, do it again sometime soon. Let's do it. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.